We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, we're going to be doing against the grain takes. Not really takes, but observations, assertions, if you will. Also talk a little Jonathan Jacobs and Jonathan or Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor. All coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Fantrax, rival fantasy and fantasy spot sports knockout uh, on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We're going to be talking about against the grain takes today. Uh, Nick and I have got uh, some some not really hot takes. We, we want to make sure we're distinguished between that, but just maybe anti-consensus, mm-hmm. anti-consensus opinions. Uh, but before we jump into those, Nick. Let's talk about the news items of the weekend. The big one is Josh Jacobs coming back to camp. And it's not even that big because we knew it was going to happen. But the fact that he got money, uh, the fact that he got paid a little bit, I think that's noteworthy. Yeah, it is. I think to me it speaks to the fact that the Raiders were at least kind of willing to to meet him in the middle and certainly more on their end uh, than the the true middle in terms of what Josh Jacobs was looking for. But it's, it's a similar resolution to what we saw with Saquon Barkley uh, out in New York, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a bump other than just like, Hey, come back and play on this contract. It's, you know, the team extending somewhat of an olive branch. And I think if you're Josh Jacobs, you, you, you'll take it. Right. I mean, we, we already knew he was coming back. We kind of felt like that was going to be the case all along. So uh, not exactly the you know contract breakthrough that, that you're looking for if you're Josh Jacobs, but uh, still a sign. Uh, I think that the team you know values him and, and, you know, certainly needs him to get where they want to be this season. I'm, I'm now a lot more comfortable, of course, drafting Josh Jacobs, who I, I wouldn't say he was ever on my, my you know, complete stay away list. But for a while there, you just never really felt comfortable. Uh, you know, the, the question to me is, where does he come in this year relative to last year? Because I, I don't I, I don't see him repeating what he did last season. I, I think the, the situation in Vegas was not great last year. I think it's even worse this year. Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. Um, I think that it's a yeah it's a bad team i think there was people that had a lot of hope for the raiders last year uh they were they would have been a fun one they last year that was a fun against the grain take that they were going to be bad mm-hmm. and i actually made that case at, on visa and i recall last year when we were doing our circuit trip right um let's ignore the fact that i just bullish on the uh, broncos though um i, I think <laughs> i was right there with you man that, that was one of my all-time worst takes and I, i've had a lot of them that's in the pantheon yeah um so good to good to own your bad ones too mm-hmm. but yeah Bad team, bad division for them. Uh, it was a career year for Jacobs. Everything went right. You know, he played every game. You know, he, he a couple of times he what he played through injuries. I mean, that that's probably not going to happen uh, this year. I think he's he's kind of learned a lesson there, and that is don't do that uh, because you're not gonna, you're not going to get rewarded. He did get more than Saquon Barkley this year. Yep. He's making twelve million dollars this year. Now, granted, he had over two thousand yards from scrimmage last year. Uh, you know, I, it's, I'm not trying to, and by saying that he's not going to play through this stuff, I don't think that's impugning his character. I think that's, no. I think that's the logical way to react to that. Uh, for what it's worth in the last two days, you know, we, I, I was getting on my flight Saturday morning when they announced the, the deal with Jacobs. Uh, there's been 51 drafts in the NFFC ADP. There is 25 uh, with a low of only 18 and a max of 35. So no one's thought about pushing him to the first round yet. I, I thought that would be, I thought there'd be somebody that'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm his patron. He's getting back in enough time. Right. Let's go ahead and put him back to where his stats say he should be. 
And I, I think we also maybe have a little bit more sophisticated draft room now where we just don't rely solely on last year's stats as much. Oh, hundred percent. I think, you know, we're, we're certainly not alone in being low on the Raiders. And I, I don't think, you know, even without all this contract uh, drama over the last month, I think Josh Jacobs was going to have a pretty tough time working his way into that round one conversation. You know, I, I think given the season that Devontae Adams had last year, you would think, Oh, maybe, maybe, you know, he's in that Cooper cup zone where you're, you're considering taking him in the middle of round one. We haven't really seen that either. So I, I think in general, the fantasy football community and especially these sharper rooms like the NFFC are, are approaching the Raiders overall. Uh, with, with a pretty strong degree of caution. And honestly, I, I think that's the way to go. I've been doing the same thing. Uh, one other note on Josh Jacobs. I mean, the, the fact that he's at a, a slightly higher salary figure now this year, it does mean uh, that if he does get the tag next year, that tag would come in at a slightly higher price. So he'd be looking at closer to $14.2 million. And of course, the, the alternative there is that he becomes a free agent and seeks mm-hmm. that long-term deal with another team. But uh, going back to what you said, I mean, he still he still hasn't gotten what he wanted in terms of the long term deal, right? You want that security, especially at the guaranteed running back money, position. So, especially, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's hard to go out and say like, well, man, if he's if he's banged up, he's not going to play through it. And you know, we'll see. And again, you can't. You know, it's not an indictment on anybody's character, but you have to look out for yourself if you're Josh Jacobs. So that is something that I think is still in the back of your mind. It's like, all right, he's back with the team. He's getting a slightly higher pay bump. That's all well and good, but um, you know, his priority is still getting that second contract. Yeah, it is. It is, and it's becoming increasingly difficult for running backs to do so. So uh, we'll see uh, what happens with that. Would you take him at that 2-3 turn? Man, I I think I would. I think I'd be comfortable with that. Um, you know, he's up about five spots in ADP if you just isolate those last two days versus like the last two weeks. I, I think that number will end up rising slightly as we approach week one here in about a week and a half. I, I mean, the thing is, it's kind of an interesting zone for running backs. If you look at the players that are going around him, you know, Derrick Henry will typically go a couple spots earlier. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor have almost the same ADP now. I, I'm still waiting on Josh Jacobs, or excuse me, on Jonathan Taylor. We'll see uh, if we get anything by that that artificial deadline that was thrown out. You know, they, they, the Colts want to trade reach by Tuesday. So perhaps by this time tomorrow, Jeff, we'll, we'll have an answer on, on what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. We'll be able to evaluate him better for fantasy purposes. But you know, if you pass on Josh Jacobs there, you know, you're seeing a lot of receivers go in the next few picks. You'll see Mark Andrews mixed mm-hmm. in. As well, that's where you start to see a handful of quarterbacks, you know, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, you know, occasionally you'll, you'll see Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert uh, be pushed up into that zone, Joe Burrow. Uh, so it's, it's not, it's not a complete drop-off because you have options like Najee Harris and, and Jameer Gibbs, but uh, you know, that's kind of the end of that. I wouldn't even say tier one, but kind of a tier one B of running backs. If you don't take Josh Jacobs there, you're, you're getting into a slightly different caliber of running back. And again, even, even knowing that this is probably not going to be the greatest team context, it wasn't that great last year. Josh Jacobs was still one of the best running backs in fantasy in any format. So if you could get him, if you can get him at pick 24 to 28, I, I think that's actually pretty fair. Yeah. Uh, Derek Henry versus Josh Jacobs. I'm taking Derek Henry. Yep. Um, Henry did go, you know, I did get, did take Derrick Henry in the beach F Erickson draft uh, last week where I started with Jefferson. Keep in mind that's third round reversal too. So um, I, I, I would not, I would probably not take Jacobs with pick 24. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I would, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to be put to the test on that, but right. it's one more player, at least that provides an option maybe allows a wide mm-hmm. receiver to fall to me in my draft. I didn't get Higgins. I didn't get, uh, Calvin Ridley to fall to me. I mean, th- right. those guys were gone before pick 24. So it was a little bit more wide receiver centric, which made it harder for me too. I was hoping to go receiver receiver to start. I just didn't want to pull the trigger on Devonte Smith. That was the only one in that range that was still available. And eh, I don't know. I just didn't feel it. Yeah, I think you're right. Even if you're out on Josh Jacobs, like you said, somebody's going to be in on him most likely at, at that yeah. price. So if anything, you know, it kind of gives you another shot uh, at, at a receiver or, or perhaps at a tight end. If, if you want to go in that route, um, but yeah, I mean, the third round reversal, man, that just pick it, pick it from the one spot in third round reversal. It's just, you know, we talked about it on the XM show quite a bit last week. I, I, I don't think it's an advantage to pick number one in fantasy football this year. And I, I think if you're doing third round reversal, it's actually a pretty big disadvantage to only have two picks, uh, you know, in, in the top 24 and then have to wait all the way until 36 for that next one. Yeah. Uh, and I, to that point, I'm doing the, uh, do, do, doing the, uh, NFFC primetime live in Vegas on Saturday. Ooh. And I set my KDS this morning and one for one through four are like my last four picks. Yeah. Um, that's my, that that's my last four preferences. I should say, 
I know you start with a Jefferson or Chase, and I'm thrilled about that. But right. then it's just there's there's a, quite a bit of a payback payback in rounds two and three. Yeah, I mean, I always make the comparison to fantasy basketball, and it's like you know having Nikola Jokic at at one one the last two years has been a big enough advantage that even if you're playing in a third round reversal league, which is less common. Uh, in fantasy basketball than it is fantasy football like it's it's still worth it because you know Jokic was so far and away especially two seasons ago the number one player that you'll you'll pay whatever that cost is uh, in terms of sacrificing later draft capital but you know as great as Justin Jefferson is as great as Christian McCaffrey and Jamar Chase are the gap between them and the next best player at their position is not it's not that large right it's it's not large enough that it's worth kind of sacrificing those 12 draft spots uh, if you're talking about uh, you know picking one 24 and then 36. So I'm with you. I, I have not set my official KDS yet for uh, my, my Rotowire OC, uh, which will be next week. Uh, I think I think it's on Monday night, actually, right after the XM show. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to have Greg, uh, Greg Abrocious uh, on our show tonight. We'll talk uh, about some of the trends going on over the weekend in the NFFC. But I'm with you. I, I think I'm going to probably go 11, 12, 10 as my first three preferences. Yeah, I think I went 10, 11, 12, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4. Yeah, so I think go. 4 is the one I like the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3 and 4. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, at 3, you know you're going to get either McCaffrey or Hill or Kelsey. or, or But yeah. that's the whole point is I can I, I, I don't distinguish very them very well. And then you're getting punished yeah. in the second and third round. So that's why I'm kind of going a different mm-hmm. way. Jonathan Taylor got that deadline. It's... Tuesday, it's it's synced up with the uh, roster cut deadline, basically. Mm-hmm. So Colts want to, you know, they want to have, they they feel like and they have a little leverage by doing it that way. We'll see if that works out. Um, I I think I was skeptical about a trade happening. You were talking about how you heard from Ian Rappaport that he thinks it'll still happen. I I actually, I mean, I don't, I'm not a big Rappaport fan, but I think he might be right in this instance. I think a trade will happen. I think I was earlier, I was thinking that mm-hmm. uh, I was skeptical. I think I thought the Colts were setting too high a bar, but I think it's just such an intractable relationship mm-hmm. here. I agree. I agree. I, I think, you know, there's, there's certainly a decent amount of spite on both sides and, you know, we'll see how much, you know, influence Jim Irsay ultimately has in this decision, because I think the Colts, front office uh, would certainly want to ensure that they're getting a, a massive return for Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, if, if Jim Irsay comes over the top and says, Hey, look, if that's the best we got. Get rid of this guy. We don't want him on the team. Um, you know, then, then maybe that's a, a situation where they would, they wouldn't really have much of a choice, but to accept a, a below market package. I think the, the general belief is that Miami is the team that has been most aggressive. You know, we've heard rumors of, of teams like Philly or potentially Chicago getting involved. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, there has not necessarily been, a bidding war, you know, at least that's been the, uh, the sense that I've been getting, you know, Stephen Holder from ESPN tweeted something to that effect this morning. Uh, you know, the Colts kind of want to get at least another team seriously involved to, to try to create that bidding war, drive up the price. Um, but you know, as of right now, if I'm doing a draft tonight and, and we don't get any news, uh, between now and then, I, I still think I'm staying away. It's just not a, a risk that I want to take at this point. Uh, but I, I think we, we will get a resolution one way or another in the next 36 hours here. It is worth noting, Jeff, that Deion Jackson played every snap of the first two drives for Indianapolis uh, in their final preseason game this weekend. So, you know, in the event that they trade Jonathan Taylor and don't bring back a, a notable running back, yeah. I think Deion Jackson looks like he's the guy. Now, you know, the, the other side of that is if, if, if they do send him to Miami, which I, I think is the most likely destination should he leave Indy, my guess is that they send back one of those running backs, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Jeff Wilson or, or Raheem Mostert and, you know, I, I think that guy would kind of instantly become the player to roster in Indianapolis. Oh, I agree. Um, although, I, if it's Wilson, I'd be less enthusiastic than I would be if it's Mostert for some reason. Although, yeah. I understand Mostert's got his durability issues, but right. I view Mostert more as a guy that could be a major, like, you know, m- maybe not three down back. I think that might be overstating the case, but right. uh, a guy that would be the leader instead of, uh, like, a co-share, uh, if you yeah. will. Yeah, I mean, both those guys, you know, you're, you're, you're worried about injuries, so we're not talking about, like, a, a dream situation for fantasy. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I do think Deion Jackson's still involved. You know, somebody who's probably worth a stab uh, at the end of a deep, deeper draft just to have on the roster. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of hedging for that potential injury if they were to bring in one of the Miami guys. Uh, I, I don't have much in terms of preseason week three takes. We, we actually saw a fair amount of starters playing, which has bucked the trend uh, in recent years. You know, Aaron Rodgers was out there for the first time in forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Jets offense through a touchdown. We saw Jordan Love play a couple series again for Green Bay. Uh, you know, what, one interesting note fantasy-wise, Quentin Johnston uh, played 
well, it was on the field uh, for the LA Chargers, which, you know, I, I think you could just look at it and say, look, he's a rookie. They want to get him as many reps as possible. But, you know, no Keenan Allen, no Mike Williams. And Josh Palmer also got the day off uh, in that third preseason game. So I think you know, the other way to read that is, okay, you know, is, is Quentin Johnson maybe going to begin the season as the number four receiver behind Palmer in this offense? Yeah, and Palmer has, was hurt earlier, so there, there might be something yeah. to that. Um, and Johnson just Johnson needs to get his reps. He's had his drops. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that that has been an issue. I still like Johnson's speed. I like his talent, but man, you got to be able to catch the ball. Uh, and I was talking uh, last week with James Coe, and I think yeah. we can distinguish between this and Jamar Chase a little bit because Johnson had this problem in college too. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right about that. Um, I, I'm still pretty high in Quentin Johnson. I think there might be a bit of a kind of loading period at the beginning of the season. And obviously, you know, Josh Palmer is somebody who we've, I think a lot of people have liked him. You like the traits, you like the tools, but the, the production has not necessarily been there. Uh, you know, somebody who wasn't really able to step up in the way that we hoped he would with the injuries they had at receiver last season. But you know, the bottom line is I, I expect Mike Williams and Keenan Allen likely to miss time uh, at some point this season. So even if Quentin Johnston ends up you know, a little bit behind the eight ball to begin the year. I think there's plenty of weeks where he's going to be acting as the second or third wide receiver because they're without one of those top two guys. That's right. Uh, before I get on to our anti again or against the grain opinions, uh, we're going to share a couple quick promo- promotional notes. First from fan tracks for you, fancy football players out there. Is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues, bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings, well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fa- fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top fantasy, top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Coming from another service, not a problem. Fantrax can easily import any of your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax Commissioner Tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there is anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion you don't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash Rotowire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league. Plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing league leagues for more chances to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Also, we are sponsored by our good friends at Rival Fantasy. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games without the huge tournaments, salary caps, or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. For, from a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, to head-to-head fantasy challenges, where you'll pick two of which of two players will score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match, plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience, they're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today all right back with uh with nick wayland here and we're talking about against the grain takes um and uh why don't you go ahead and explain the concept for people that uh are just tuning in for the first time yeah so you and i were out at circa uh this past weekend had an amazing time out there as always uh, i always love hanging out with circa and then you know kind of doing the rounds for for sirius xm and for Vison and uh, you know, I, I was on VEASAN and they they asked me, like, you know, what, what are some of your against the grain takes? We're not looking for hot takes here because I, I think that's a that's a dangerous road. You know, I, I'm not a hot take guy myself, Jeff. I know you, you really aren't either. And you know, I, I think if you're you're trying to go that route, you're going to end up kind of getting into dangerous territory, you know, kind of leaning on things that you don't actually believe in. So we're trying to find that middle ground. Right. We're, we're mm-hmm. not giving out vanilla takes, but we're not trying to you know, just throw something out there uh, for the fit, for the sake of getting clicks or getting headlines. So I, I view this as kind of a, these are like my, my medium warm takes. You know, there's nothing crazy in here, but uh, we're, we're trying to go against at least the general consensus. All right. Very good. So why don't you start us with the first one? I will. I, I got a great list here, you know, kind of a mix of, of fantasy betting, just kind of some general thoughts on some teams. And we're going right to America's division, Jeff, the AFC South. 
I don't think we should be handing the AFC South to Jacksonville, right? I, I think everybody you know, kind of sees how the Jags closed last season. They had the crazy comeback uh, against the Chargers. You know, Trevor Lawrence, everybody wants to, to put him as a, a top six or seven quarterback. And let me be very clear. I want all of this to happen. I am the, the lone Jags fan in the state of Wisconsin. I would like nothing more than Jacksonville to, to win 13 games and just blow away the rest of the AFC South. But, you know, Tennessee right now, you could get them at like plus 350 over at Circa to win this division. I, I think the Jaguars win it. Uh, you know, they're minus 155. I think the best bet, though, is Tennessee. I, I don't think we can count this Titans team out. I, I certainly don't want to count Mike Vrabel out. I, I love Doug Peterson, but I think Mike Vrabel still has the belt as the best coach and the best talent maximizer in this division. I think Jacksonville has a tougher schedule than the Tennessee Titans. They get that first place schedule. It is not easy outside of division whatsoever. If the Titans can stay healthy, if the Titans can stay healthy at key positions, I think they're really going to push Jacksonville for that top spot in the AFC South. And uh, look, I mean, ultimately with how deep the AFC is, this could be a one playoff team division. So uh, as much as I want this to just be the, the season that Jacksonville kind of establishes itself as a, an annual contender going forward, I am not at all ready uh, to count out the Tennessee Titans. Okay. That, that's interesting because I'm, I kind of have negative feelings about the Titans. Really? Um, I mean, just kind of saw how they finished last year. Uh what they've done in terms of like, I, I like, I know they, they went out and got D hop and they needed to get a wide receiver of some ilk. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of negative on D hop. Uh, I, I think there's a reason why Arizona wasn't able to trade him. It's because the market was pretty tepid. Mm-hmm. I, I think between injuries, him kind of quitting on the team last year, just age, right. aging curves, the team context. What if Will Levis or Malik Willis is at QB, uh, there, there are some scenarios there. And by the way, I mean, yeah. Willis was playing ahead of Levis, which was interesting. Uh, it I, is. I, can, can, given what we saw with Willis last year, how they wouldn't even right. let him throw the ball. Uh, I don't know. I just, yes, their defense always plays hard. Vrabel yep. is good at that. I, I hate watching their offense. Maybe that's oh, it. It's maybe it's just, it's, it's a tough watch. And I, maybe it stems back to them trading away AJ Brown at the peak of his powers. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like that either. So, I, I maybe maybe you're making some you're make you know you make you make good points uh and, and especially the whole principle of let's not just jump on board with last what happened last mm-hmm. year as uh, like and and install Jacksonville as an obvious favorite when they had to b- scrape by a Josh Dobbs led team in the last week of the season just to make the playoffs exactly and they and you know I thought they they got the benefit of a, a 50-50 call you know you, you think of that that fumble return mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. they that they did not call a, a forward pass I, I was not expecting that to be overturned in the way right. that it was so yeah I mean it you know they had the scratch and claw just to like you said beat Josh Dobbs who was like on the team for two weeks in the final game of the season at home um so it's part of this is you know I, I don't know that Jacksonville really got all that better from last season. And mm-hmm. I also think this was not a very good team for roughly 60% of last year. And Trevor Lawrence had a, a great close to the season, was not great early on, had some some major turnover issues. I think Jacksonville is going to beat the teams it should beat, but there's a lot of, you know, big time opponents on this schedule. It's like, are, are you going to beat Buffalo? Are you going to beat Kansas City? You know, I, I think they're, I think they're going to struggle to pull away in this division because of that out of division schedule. And, you know, if, if Tennessee can, can steal a win and one of those had to have matchups, I think both of these teams could go four and against Indy and Houston. So part of it is I, I'm just not quite as high in Jacksonville. And I think I'm higher on Tennessee. They had consensus, but like you said, I mean, if they have an injury to Hopkins or Tannehill or Derrick Henry, this goes completely out the window because they're so, so thin at those positions. And look, chances are one of those guys does get hurt, but if, if, if they don't, if they can stay relatively healthy and especially if they can avoid Malik Willis and or will Levis starting any games this season, mm-hmm. I, I think Tennessee really pushes the Jags. Yeah. Uh, so on a related note, I have Hopkins at 58 NFFC ADP in the last couple of days is 43. Yep. So it just shows I'm a full round behind. I just, I, he's 31. It just, I, I, I think, you know, when he did come back from a suspension, you know, he was, he was more or less the same player, but he also got hurt at the end of the year last year. I just, I, I feel like this is the age where wide receivers drop off. Um, I think I'd rather be a year too early than a year too late. I'd rather uh, get out while I can. That's fair. That's fair. I haven't been taking Hopkins at cost either. I, I I don't know that I'm that worried about him falling off as a player. I, I think he's probably got one more good year in him before we start entering like that Julio Jones, uh, Tennessee year zone. But, you know, this, this Titans offense was just not a high volume passing attack, right? And I don't think just adding 31-year-old DeAndre Hopkins to the mix suddenly changes that 
overnight. You know, I think the, the market is favor is that he's so far and away, clearly the guy on a team that desperately needed receiver help. So in terms of just like a fantasy situation, I think it makes sense for, for, for people to be comfortable drafting him in the early forties. But I, I just don't know if there's a ton of upside here. You know, like to me, it's like best case scenario, he meets value, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you don't look back and say, Oh man, I wish I wouldn't have taken him. Like I don't, I don't, I don't envision a scenario where you draft DeAndre Hopkins at 45 and he finishes the season as like the 20th best fantasy player, like the seventh best receiver. You know, I, I don't think that upside is there in this offense. And this was a Titans team that had 16 passing touchdowns as a team last season. And look, I, I know Tannehill got hurt and they, they basically had to run like a high school offense for a few games toward the end of the season. That's certainly a big part of it, but they're way down at the bottom of the league in terms of yards, in terms of attempts, in terms of yards per attempt. Like there's not, there's not a single passing stat that you could dig into and say, okay, this is why Tennessee's passing offense is going to be so much better this season. So yeah, I'm with you. If I could get Hopkins around later, absolutely. But I, I'm not paying for him at cost. All right. Next against the, against the grain opinion for me, at least here, uh, waiting on quarterbacks is not dead. Uh, it did not work last year. It, it, it was a, a thinner uh, path to get through maybe the last couple of years, but it's not dead. I still think it can work. I yep. still think uh, it's not mandatory to have a top eight quarterback. I think it might be. It, it Maybe it's a little more difficult, but typically you get two to three breakout guys later on. And yeah, you have to, every plan works with the right guys. I get that. But whether it's Jordan Love or, you know, Anthony Richardson in his rookie year or even like Sam Howell or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think you can still win drafting QBs late. You could even go like boring with Kirk Cousins or Rogers yeah. late uh, and still be okay. I think last year was such an anomaly when it comes to just the elite QBs being yeah. parsecs better than the rest of the pack. I don't think that's just because that happened last year doesn't make a predictive stat. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And, you know, I, I think the, if you draft one of the top three quarterbacks and you kind of have to pick and choose who those are because there's a handful of players who could finish in that range, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Jackson, Herbert, Lawrence, even Justin Fields, you know, that's where we really saw the big divide last year. If you just look mm-hmm. at, you know, a very basic stat, average fantasy points per game, you know, Hurts, Mahomes, and Allen were, were ahead of that next year. You know, you, you still felt great if you had Joe Burrow, you had Justin Fields, but, you know, I mean, Jalen Hurts was averaging like five more fantasy points per game than Justin Fields on the year, whereas Justin Fields was averaging roughly one more fantasy point per game than Geno Smith. So I, I think the key is if you're, if you're drafting an elite quarterback, you need him to finish as one of the top three guys. You know, if, if you take if you take Joe Burrow as QB4 and he finishes as QB5, it's like, all right, that's fine. You're not going to look back and say it was a terrible pick, but you're, you're probably right. leaving a little bit of value on the board there. And, you know, the other thing is if you're taking a quarterback early, you know, you really need to hit on whatever position you're you're inevitably going to be a little bit lighter at right so right. if you start if you if you start running back and then you take Mahomes in round two like you better hit on those mid-round receivers because that's that's where you're going to end up chasing uh some of that week-to-week value so I mean how have you found yourself handling this like we've, we've both done a ton of drafts I'm sure you've, you've kind of gone with both approaches so far but you know when you're in these these bigger money more important leagues how have you found yourself attacking it um it's interesting because beat Jeff Erickson, I waited, extreme waited on quarterbacks. So this is a little bit of a self-serving opinion for me yeah. to come out and say afterward, you can still win that way. Um, but I've also done it the other way where I've gone with the early uh, quarterback. I, I did the Lamar Andrews pairing in the host league that we did together. Uh, that's not a same high stakes, mind you, but still mm-hmm. there, you know, it, it's, it was, it's a path. Uh, and when I do that, I do feel like it's a little bit more difficult. Like, I, I think the, the tricky part is like the it's that second tier of quarterback are now going a lot earlier. Right. You, you used to be you, you get like the last of that tier still in like the sixth or seventh round. And I'm finding many drafts where you just can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've been getting a lot of Justin Herbert. Like, I, I don't think I have a single Mahomes share in any you know meaningful league. I think maybe I have Burrow somewhere. You know, Hertz has kind of been my guy who I've been trying to target. Like, I'm not willing to start that run at, you know, pick 20 with Patrick Mahomes. I, as great as he is, I, I think he's far and away the best quarterback in the NFL. I, I just, I, I don't quite see the upside there. So I, if I'm going, you know, quote unquote, early quarterback, you know, I'm taking Justin Herbert in the fourth round. So kind of mm-hmm. hedging a little bit there. You, you still get three players that you feel good about. And yeah, you're, you're paying a premium for that quarterback, but you know how high I am on Justin Herbert. I, I threw in the, the Herbert MVP bet this weekend, had to back that up. What, um, what price right. did I mean, you Lawrence, get for that? What'd you say? What price did you get for that? 12 to one. Didn't feel great about it, but you know, we'll, we'll take double digit odds uh, on that one. So, 
Uh, we'll see. I just I, I felt in my soul, you know, the, given how much I've talked up Justin Herbert and, and this Chargers offense, it would have been wrong for me uh, not to at least throw a little coin on that. But sure. you're, you're right about Lawrence and Fields specifically. You know, you see in a lot of drafts now, you know, Allen, Hurts, Mahomes, Burrow, Jackson, Herbert. Those are typically your, your first six quarterbacks. I, you know, I, I'm just not quite comfortable paying a like a mid or even early fifth round price, sometimes even earlier uh, on Fields and Lawrence. Like to me, those guys are close enough to some of those like upper tier uh, or upper QB three tier guys that I, I don't really want to burn a pick there. Like I would rather, I'd rather take Geno Smith in the 11th, like mm-hmm. you did, than take uh, Trevor Lawrence in the fifth. And I, I think the other benefit to waiting on quarterback is, you know, to me, we, there's, there's a, a really nice grouping of guys to choose from when you get beyond that top eight, right? Um, yeah. You know, Cousins, Prescott, Jones, Geno, you know, even Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, uh, Derek Carr, I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable with this season, I mean, you're getting guys like that in, in sometimes the 14th or 15th round. So right. I, I, I guess if you're waiting on quarterback, like the chances of getting burned and ending up having to start a player that you just really have no confidence in, it's really low because of how, how you know discounted the price is on some of these upper mid-level guys. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right about that. And yeah, I, I it's it was fine doing that plan uh, in, in the BHF Erickson draft and mm-hmm. I, I think maybe I misstepped by not getting Richardson to go along with Gino yeah. just because of the ceiling aspect of it there. But then again, I've been kind of on record saying that I don't yeah. think Richardson's going to get it this year, but I agree. what if he does, I get it, but it, yeah. it's, I think it's going to be a tough, tough row uh, for him to hoe yep. this year. All right. Before we get on to our next take, we're on the blue wire network. Here's one of their ads. This road wire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor, it's the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal, pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. We're doing against the grain takes. Mm -hmm. Nick Whalen, you're up. What do you got? I am starting to waffle very seriously on the Cleveland Browns, specifically... Deshaun Watson uh you know I, I think for the most part especially early in draft season I, I feel like I was seeing nothing but optimism when it came to the Browns you know our, our, our guy Jim Coventry who we we know and love and certainly I respect his football takes as much as anybody 
he's been all over the Browns. He, he loves them as a, a dark horse Super Bowl team. He loves them to win that division. And obviously, if you if you're in on them, you're you're in on a Deshaun Watson rebound. I just haven't seen a lot of evidence of that. You know, whether you're you're watching the limited action in the preseason or you're reading practice reports every day, there's just been a lot of yeah, he looks okay, but he doesn't look like the Deshaun Watson of old. You know, he doesn't quite have that that same off script ability. And you know, I, there's been so much going on with Watson over the last couple of years that I I'm open to the possibility that we just never see that guy again. You know, I, that that he's just never that same player. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, his cap hit jumps to 64 million next season, Jeff, and I think it, it stays there for two more years beyond that. So there is there is a lot riding on the Browns figuring this out this season because the roster is not going to be as strong over the next few years as it is right now. And, you know, just, just the lack of any real encouragement uh, you know, regarding Deshaun Watson to me is, is concerning because I, I still think there's, it's likely that he's not nearly as bad as he was last year, but to me, the most likely outcome is he's like just a, a maybe above league average quarterback. You know, he's like the 12th or 13th best quarterback in the league. That's not good enough. You know, if you're no. Cleveland, you're, you're not paying for that. That's not, you, you took one of the biggest PR hits that we've seen in recent history, not to mention handing him that massive contract uh, you're, you're not paying for him to be an average quarterback. You know, I, I think there are a lot of teams that have questions at that position this season. And if their guy ends up being a league average quarterback, that's just fine. To me, that's not enough in Cleveland. And I, I have seen no evidence to suggest that Deshaun Watson is going to return to that level. So uh, I, I don't know how hot of a take that is as we reach the end of the preseason, but I'm, I'm starting to kind of back away from Cleveland. Uh, it must be cooling down as a take because I wrote down on my list lower on the Browns. Okay. Uh, so, you know, and I, I am nothing if not Mr. Uh, Jeff McSquarickson. So, uh, you know, I, I, I make I, I don't really go out on a limb that much. So I'm lower on the Browns, higher on the Steelers. That'll be my corollary to go along okay. with that there. Uh, am I buying a little bit into the preseason hype and performance? Maybe a little bit. Yep. Uh, I, I might be guilty of that a little bit. It's just also it's year two for Pickett. It's, you, you know, with the improved offensive line, with the rest of the personnel with a lot of continuity together there. I think that's all going to kind of coalesce together to make Mm -hmm. them a more efficient offense. They're not going to throw 12 touchdown passes this year. They will throw more than 12. That's not against the green. I'll say they throw 25 plus touchdown passes. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I I love, I love the Steelers. I mean, they looked fantastic against the 12th stringers for the Atlanta Falcons uh, in that preseason game. (laughs) <laughs> on Thursday, but really it's been, everything's been positive, you know, through the first few preseason games. I mean, it got to the point where Kenny Pickett himself had to calm down his own hype and say, look, it's just the preseason. Don't read too much into it. But I yeah. think, I think internally they feel really good about the direction they're moving. Uh, another team that I've, I'm, I'm higher on that consensus. I think the Atlanta Falcons are, are really going to surprise people this year, Jeff. I love the over on eight and a half wins for Atlanta. Uh, I would even, you know, dabble in yes to make the playoffs at plus one Oh five over at Circa and DraftKings, uh, you know, it, it kind of, kind of like the AFC South. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I understand why the Jags are the incumbent. I understand why the saints uh, are, are favored to win that division, but I, I think the Falcons are the better bet. You can get them at plus two fifteen to win that division. I like the improvements that they made on defense. Now, are, are they suddenly going to be a top 10 unit? No, I don't think so, but I, I think they're going to be a lot more competent than they were last season. And, you know, unlike Deshaun Watson, you know, this is kind of one of those teams where, if Desmond Ritter becomes a, a league average quarterback, that is fantastic news for the Falcons. They are not asking Desmond Ritter to be the seventh best quarterback in the NFL. They're asking him to be like the 18th best quarterback. And I think that's in the cards. Like I, I'm not, I'm not like all in on Desmond Ritter as his future star, but with what they're asking him to do with the personnel around him, with the offense that they're running, they just need her to be competent. And look, even if he's not, you have kind of this wild card guy with some upside in Taylor Heineke. So I, I think they're much better positioned this season uh, at the quarterback spot than they were last year, you know, trying to kind of form that offense around Marcus Mariota, who basically ended up quitting on the team. And beyond that, they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. I mean, first seven games, first seven games, Jeff, they get Bryce young at home in his first NFL start. You get Jordan love, you get Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, CJ Stroud, Sam Howell and Baker Mayfield. I mean, I, I think they have a real chance to start the season like five and two. Yeah. Uh, it's to defense. It's the defense for me. That's okay. going to be like the determinant for that because last year their defense was pretty darn bad. Um, and it was their 37 stringers against Pittsburgh starters in the preseason, but Pittsburgh did slice through them a little bit. Oh, yeah. So, it, you know, it was string cheese or something. I don't know. God, that was terrible. Stop. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. There's got to uh, be some sort of like bird meat pun here, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep thinking on that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, or we won't. We'll just move on and forget it. I, ever happened. Ironically, this game is actually on NFL Network right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm like re watching the Steelers just knife right through this Falcons defense. But nonetheless, 
Uh, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pin that on, you know, the fact that Atlanta was not really rolling out any starters. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's uh, move on to another one. You, you talked about the Jaguars earlier. This is a fantasy take, not an overall okay. take. Travis Etienne is going to be just fine. Everybody loves Tank Bigsby. Loves him. Thinks that, you know, he's, oh, Etienne, he's, he's a big risk. If you click on Etienne, you're going to be unhappy. You're going to be sorry. ADP of 41. I've still got him in the 30s for me. Um, I, I think he's still dynamic. I still think he's a big play t- uh, type of guy. I love I love getting a discounted rate on ETN. If I can get him in the fourth round, especially if I've got I've covered myself in wide receivers a little bit earlier, uh, gimme. I like I like it a lot. Um, so Travis ETN, I've got it 32 in my rankings. I originally even had him higher, but I'm kind of in this case wanted to reflect the market rate. So you're not like going if you're using my rankings, you're not going two rounds too soon. But point is, my rankings will get you ETN like 95 percent of the time, and I think that's a good idea. You know, the NFFC has a great tool on their website where you look at, you know, you look at ADP and then if you click on a player, you could basically just see a line graph of, you know, where the ADP has trended uh, since the Super Bowl. So you, you have, we have a very long sample here and Travis Etienne's ADP is just a gradual decline. You know, he was yep. going to, in some of those early drafts that were happening in February and March, you know, he was going inside the top 20 in some of those. And yep. on average was coming in, you know, in like the 22 to 25 range. His new ADP is settled at like 39. And he, in a draft last night, Jeff, he went as late as pick 67. Now that's a big time anomaly. I don't know what happened there. You're not going to get him in the sixties in almost any draft, but you're getting basically a full round discount compared to a Mm -hmm. few months ago on Travis Etienne. And I think a big part of that has been the, I don't know, relative emergence uh, of tank Bigsby. It just, it kind of feels like just the fact that they took a running back as spooks some people, but you have to keep in mind that this team didn't really have a true backup last year, right? You you, you had James Robinson and then that, that whole situation changed when they traded him. Um, and, and they didn't clearly have a, a number two guy who they felt good about, whether that's Snoop Connor, Jamichael Hasty, and Jarnis Johnson is in that backfield now. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I don't necessarily see ETN as somebody who has like, you know, top 18 upside. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that he's going to be a league winner type, but I, I'm not worried about him at all, especially where you're getting him uh, at this point. I think everything the Jags have, have said about his role, everything Doug Peterson has commented on, like I, I think they plan on expanding him uh, in the passing game, uh, you know, kind of limiting him in situations where he shouldn't have been running the ball last year, which was between the tackles all the time. I mean, he had these you know 20 plus carry games late in the year when, when he started to slow down a bit. Uh, I, I think they're going to use him a lot more smartly, a lot more efficiently in this offense. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm riding with you on that take. I think he's the type of player that you're going to roster a lot. If you're drafting early fourth round, you're if you're drafting at the yeah. three, four turn, um, you know, I, you know, I, I think especially if you start off with two receivers early on, I think he's ideal for that. So, yeah, I, I, I like him quite a bit. Uh, I have on my list, Jeff, that Aaron Jones will finish the season ahead of Jameer Gibbs. And, and I, I don't care what format you're using, PPR, half point, um, you know, non-PPR. And part of this is I, I'm just still really high on Aaron Jones. His ADP has started to come around. I mean, he's kind of the inverse of, uh, Travis Etienne. If you look at that that line graph over at the NFFC, he's now RB fifteen. Uh, you know, we saw him go you know, pretty late in a lot of early drafts. He's going in the fifties uh, quite a bit, and you know now his ADP has moved closer into the mid forties. And you know with, with Gibbs, I, I just I've cited a bunch on this pod and on the show. Like I, I love the player. I, I like the fit. Maybe not where they drafted him, but I think go get your guy. Whatever. I respect that. I, I just I, I'm not comfortable taking a player like that in the 20s. And, you know, in a lot of drafts, you can you can maybe get him, uh, you know, in early uh, round three, uh, early to mid round three, I should say. But I just I, I don't necessarily see the upside with Jameer Gibbs. And to me, in order to return that ADP, like you, you need like a top 10 percentile season like this. This rookie year needs to go about as well as possible for him just to return value, not not exceed value. And I, I think Aaron Jones is, is kind of the opposite. You know, it's like if he stays healthy, I, I just don't see a world uh, in which you regret taking Aaron Jones would pick like 47 in your draft. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think, in fact, yeah, his average pick is 46 now. So, it, you know, he, he's right around that spot. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm on board with that. I, I think I may have Aaron Jones a little bit lower, but no, I don't. I actually have him higher. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I have him at 41. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, sharing good, good feelings about him. Kind of the end of a running back tier, uh, him and Kevin, Kenneth Walker together for me. And then you kind of go down to Brees Hall and Damian Pierce for me as my next couple of ones. So there's a, there's a kind of a drop off there, uh, for me at least. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Jones, I'd be happy to take him again. 
he and he and etn are similarly priced and i actually would take etn over jones but that's because i'm i might be the most bullish on etn but point is I t- i'll take both mm-hmm. of them in that spot yeah, to me, like Ramondre Stevenson versus Aaron Jones is more of a, an interesting decision. And you'll see Stevenson go about 10 to 12 picks higher in most drafts. And like, you know, what's the what's the biggest concern with Aaron Jones? One, I guess it's this Packers offense, you know, taking a step back. But I think we also have to remember that this was not that great of an offense last year. You know, if we want to compare it to two or three years ago when Aaron Rodgers is throwing 40 touchdowns and winning MVPs, then yeah, it'll, it'll probably be a step down from there. But this was not that great of an offense in the first place right. last season. And I think there's still some lingering, you know, Maybe this is the year AJ Dillon gets it together and starts vulturing more touchdowns. Like, I get that, but I, I think we also have the exact same concern about Zeke Elliott uh, and Ramondre Stevenson in New England. So I, I just, I, I just feel like Aaron Jones has been going like five to ten spots later than he should be all of draft season. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think you're probably right about that one there. Um, all right, uh, before we get, uh, you know, you get a couple more uh, against the grain takes. We got one more piece of business to take care of. Think you've got fantasy football figured out? Think again. Introducing Fantasy Sports Knockout, a new survivor fantasy league that's worth the challenge. A season-long tournament where every week matters. Strategize, draft, survive. High effort with even higher stakes. Because who likes losing? Draft your lineup, use any players you want. But be careful, you can only use each player once. The lowest scoring entry is eliminated each week. The concept is simple. Survival is not. Stop losing. Start share surviving in the only league where skills and are tested and strategy pays off. Learn more at survive.fancyexpertsknockout.com slash rotowire. Again, survive.fancysportsknockout.com slash rotowire. Fancy Sports Knockout is available for real money in certain states, but anyone can play in a user-created league. So if you think you know fantasy, prove it. Visit survive.fantasy.expert. Sur- try that again visit survive.fantasysportsknockout.com slash rotowire today all right thanks to uh fancy sports knockout for joining us on and consent and uh continuing to sponsor us here we're going to do a couple more against the grain takes before signing off nick who's next for you oh man i, I got a few uh, that i have to choose from here let's see i'll just keep feeding you and react to them how about that so that way you don't have to choose as much okay sounds good um you know, I have just kind of in general, I'm avoiding the Miami Dolphins. Uh, okay. And I, I, you know, it, it's hard to put, put my finger on exactly why. I, I think I could probably trace it back to my concerns about Tua more than anything. But I, I don't have a single share of Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell uh, in any of my uh, non-best ball leagues. And even in best ball, I, I haven't really been drafting those guys all mm-hmm. that much. Uh, I, I just, I really, really worry <clears throat> about uh, Tua's health. And uh, I know he's practiced falling this year. That's all well and good. But, uh, you know, it, it would be a pretty stunning reversal for uh, a guy who went through the, the concussion and the injury issues that he did last season to uh, you know, just go the complete other way and have that be a non-factor this year. So uh, with, with how differently this offense looked last year without Tua, uh, I, I, I just I, I don't really want to pin my hopes, you know, taking Tyreek Hill like number four overall. And, you know, let's say Tua goes down and, and misses three or four weeks in the middle of the year, you, you're, you're going to have a really hard time meeting that value. And, you know, when it comes to Jalen Waddell, I, I just like a lot of other receivers in that range. Like Jalen Waddell is one of my absolute favorite players in the league. If he was with a different quarterback, I would be drafting him as much as I could. Uh, but ultimately, he's still the number two offense or number two receiver in his own offense. And, you know, I like Chris Olave just as much. I, I like Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, guys who are in similar situations uh, who you can typically get later in drafts. You know, maybe you wait half a round, uh, you know, another round and, and get someone like DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, um, you know, even Amari Cooper later on, I'm fine with. So uh, it's, it's not really a take necessarily, but I, I just, everybody loves this Dolphins offense and I, I totally understand the upside, but I, I, I found myself kind of reticent to invest. Yeah. I, I you're, you're going to get two anon all over you, but uh, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Bring it. You say that's fine. All right. Uh, yeah. I think what happens if Jonathan Taylor gets traded to them? If Jonathan Taylor gets traded there, I, I'm in on that. I, I actually love that situation. I think, you know, you, you look at the running backs who've been able to succeed, uh, especially on a game-by-game basis. You know, like San Francisco, before Christian McCaffrey showed up under Mike McDaniel, you know, he's kind of just taking these guys off the street, essentially, and turning them into really good running backs. Like they, like Mike McDaniel himself has never had a running back the caliber of Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor kind of operates separately to me uh, from Tua. Like if I'm worried about Tua getting hurt, I'm more concerned about how that affects Waddle and Hill 
than it does the starting running back. So I, I would actually think that's, to me, that would be a better situation than Jonathan Taylor just sticking with the Colts and, and not having any of this drop. Like, I, I don't think Taylor in Indianapolis was ever going to be uh, a perfect fantasy situation anyway. You, you don't have great receivers. You have a questionable O-line. You have a rookie quarterback who might really struggle at times this season. So mm-hmm. if he lands there, I, I will be in on Jonathan Taylor, but it, it doesn't really change my calculus on Tua. All right. All right. I, I, fair enough. Uh, I, I think, yeah, for the reasons that you stated. I mean, I just yeah. – I mean, he's, he's one hit away from – be completely shutting down i mean that's that's the scary part there all right anything else you got another you got one more for me here or two more for me yeah we we can kind of go rapid fire through these uh in a similar vein uh to to the dolphins guys i have not found myself with any cooper cup shares and this one makes me a little more nervous because of just just how incredible cooper cup is when healthy but uh I, i i worry about his own health and i worry perhaps even more about the health of his quarterback. So you're kind of doubling down there with, with some major concerns for a guy who you're oftentimes investing a top five to seven pick in. And, you know, I, I think if, if Cup and Stafford stay healthy, even if the Rams are a bad team, which I think they still would be, um, I, I wouldn't really worry about his production, but the fact that you're worried about two guys uh, mm-hmm. who are, are both very injury prone, you know, Cup is, is sneaky old as somebody who came into the league way late. Uh, I, I just, you know, if you could get him a little bit later, like if he was going at the turn, I'd be all in, but I just, you know, that, that's one where if this goes badly, you know, you're going to have a really tough time recovering if you're taking him that high in a fantasy draft. So I, I, I like so many of these other receivers. I view some of those guys who are going a little bit later than him as, as quite a bit safer, you know, starting with Stephon Diggs, uh, including guys like CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Garrett Wilson. Uh, I, I found myself like if I'm picking five or six, you know, I'll happily take Austin Eckler. I'll happily take Travis Kelsey. Uh, I'd even consider Bijan Robinson over Cooper Cup in that spot. So uh, you know, a situation where I, I really, really respect the talent, but I'm just, I, I'm a little nervous about the injuries for he and Stafford. And I, I just don't think this is going to be a good team, Jeff. I mean, we had that kind of yeah. bizarre report over the weekend from Matthew Stafford's wife of all people that, you know, he's just like, he's not really gelling with these rookies and they're relying so heavily on first and second year guys. I mean, no team in the league has more young players that are, are really going to be dependent on to play major, major snaps on both sides of the ball. So uh, it, it feels like the Rams kind of like the Titans, are, are, are not embracing a rebuild. They want to try it one more time. And I, I, I just don't really feel good about the direction uh, this offense is going to head. I thought I read somewhere that like the Rams had like 50 rookies in camp at the start of camp. You know, obviously, yeah. they, you know, it's just that that's astounding, you know, for a team that said screw the drafts for so many years to mm-hmm. be in this sort of position. But that's why they're in that sort of position, too, because they, right. they've had no depth. So I guess I get it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't have any cup either. Um Kind of, I wrote. I'm writing chapters down as we do this here, so we can post it for our listeners. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing this one, fading Cooper Cup. I feel like I'm like forgetting Sarah Marshall or something. But uh, <laughs> I just, I, I, I probably don't have any cup either so far. I, I know I don't, and I probably don't walk away with him uh, yeah. unless he is at that uh, that like the twelve thirteen turn. Right. In which case, then maybe I, I, I'd, I'd be in on it there. But there are others I'd prefer. I prefer AJ yeah. Brown for sure. I prefer Diggs. Yeah. Uh, I'd prefer uh, Barkley. I'd prefer Chubb. Um, I, I would go that route instead of forcing the wide receiver, which means mm-hmm. I probably won't get cut. Yeah. Oh, every now and then he'll go, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. He's gone as late as 13 in the last week, but yeah, mm-hmm. on average, you're going to have to pay that four five, six overall price. Uh, here's what else I have on the sheet here, Jeff, and then we could get out of here. Uh, I don't love drafting a Monroff say Brown in round one. Um, and I, as a kind of dovetail to that, I, I'm not sure that Detroit should be favored as heavily as it is to win the NFC North. Mm-hmm. I think Miles Sanders is going too low in drafts. I would take Mike Evans over Chris Godwin. And I think Jared Stidham makes at least three starts for the Denver Broncos. Ooh, that that's saucy at the end there. Fading Russell Wilson. Of course he earned his fading. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I like those. Uh, I really like the Stidham one. I think that's, that's eye opening there. Stidham to Mims. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Well, and look, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying like it's a take to fade Russell Wilson. Like nobody's really even taking Russell Wilson in a lot of drafts. Like maybe you're grabbing him as a second or third quarterback. So I, I don't think right. anybody's, you know, like ripping their headphones out and saying, what? You're fading Russell Wilson. Uh, but I, I think there's a world in which this, this goes really south. Right. And they yeah. don't they don't necessarily have the same type of commitment to Wilson as the Browns do to Deshaun Watson. Like there are there are paths here where you're going to have to eat some money. It's not going to look great. You know, the organization would be embarrassed with the trade. But, uh, you know, Sean Payton kind of has carte blanche, I think, with this roster. And 
I, I don't think Russell Wilson, if he plays the way he did last season, he's not going to have the leash that he did under Nathaniel Hackett. And, you know, they went out and paid real money to bring in Jared Stidham. I think he's a guy that they, they have real belief in and will want to get a look at if this season goes south early on. You know, we, we already have you know, a couple of receivers that are injured for this team. I mean, it hasn't been a, a banner offseason in that respect. Uh, I actually think Russell Wilson has looked okay in the preseason. I think he's looked more like his old self. He's looked a lot more competent, uh, you know, kind of getting out of the pocket, you know, making things happen there. But, uh, you know, it, it would, again, there's not a lot of precedent for a player having the disastrous year that he did last year at this age and then kind of turning around and, and you know, all of a sudden being the player that he was in the past. So, I, you know, this is maybe you could, you could spin this and say, yeah, maybe Russell Wilson gets hurt and he starts three games. But I, I'm kind of looking at this like I think there's a real chance Russell Wilson gets benched before the end of the year. Yeah, and if he does, and the thing is, that trade is done. Like it's done. It, the The consequences of it aren't going to change because you cut him or benched him. Right. It it, it, it remain. If it's a bad trade, it will remain a bad trade. And it's, and just playing him through throughout to justify it is not right. a good decision making tree. And you're right, Sean Payton wasn't tied to that either. So we'll see. I mean, they'll they'll have to get off on on a better foot. Let's uh, jump through a couple of these uh, questions real quick. Victor asking about having the second pick and a half point PPR. Basically, the question is, do you, you know, and a PPR, full point PPR almost always goes Jefferson Chase. Do you push up McCaffrey or Eckler or Kelsey into the second pick in a half point PPR? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually okay with that. I mean, you, you'll see all four of those guys go number one, even in full PPR leagues at the mm -hmm. NFFC, right? I mean, Kelsey every now and then. And I'm actually on board with that. Uh, you know, third round reversal, you know, that's a, it's a tough bill to swallow because you're really going to be behind the eight ball. If you take mm -hmm. Kelsey at one, you're, you're kind of chasing every other position, the rest of the draft. But I, I think the case for that is, you know, at, at no position last year, was there a bigger gap between Travis Kelsey and the next best guy? Um, yep. So I, I think if you want to look at it from that perspective, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. You know, McCaffrey, the, the only thing you can really say is the injury risk, right? You know, it's, it's what we've been saying about him his entire career. Like when he's healthy, he's absolutely in the conversation to be the number one guy. I think if you turned off injuries for this season, I would take Christian McCaffrey one, one, mm -hmm. but he, he had to me, he has more of an injury risk than Jefferson and Jamar chase. So yeah, it makes you feel maybe a little bit better about McCaffrey, but he also catches the ball enough. Like that's a big part yeah. of his fantasy value where you're, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, Jefferson and chase probably lose a little bit. Uh, they lose a little bit more in, in half point versus full point, but uh, it's not necessarily a, a huge plus for Christian McCaffrey either. Agreed. Agreed. Ted Kaczynski, uh, not his real name. Uh, said Garrett uh, Wilson's ADP is wild. I see him going in round two in so many drafts. Why? Uh, so many mocks. Mm -hmm. You mean as opposed to being in the first round? Um, he's know. not even close to falling out of the second round. So I'm, I'm guessing that's what he's talking yeah. about. I mean, did provide, I mean, Garrett Wilson, I mean, is productive with a horrific quarterback situation last year and an right. offensive line situation, nonetheless, still managed over 1,100 receiving yards. Yeah. I, I, if you mean that he should go in the first round, I'd agree with you. I actually like him better than, for instance, the Sun God. Uh, I would take him ahead of Cup, probably too. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you're you're not necessarily going to like jump ADP by eight picks and take Garrett Wilson fifth overall, although that is his main pick in the last week at the NFFC. So some people are doing that. It's it's more like you know it, it opens up some possibilities depending on where you're drafting. Like I mm -hmm. I feel great if I if I have the fifteenth pick in a draft and I could get Garrett Wilson there, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, you know, I I think I like him over CD Lamb. I like him more than, than I like Amon Rob, say Brown. And you know, to me, you, you said it. I think the case for this guy is he was awesome as a rookie with some of the worst quarterback play that we've seen. You know, I mean, he was playing with Chris Strebler at times last season. Yeah. So I, I think there's, I, I mean, there, there's room for him to improve in every category. He was a thousand yard receiver. He was the rookie of the year with horrendous quarterback play. Like the, the yardage should jump, the touchdown potential uh, could, could go through the roof. I mean, he could have a 15 touchdown season. Like that is not out of the cards whatsoever i think he is the, you know, the the hope at least is that he's the Devontae adams in this offense so yeah i'm not, I'm not sure if, if the uh you know if ted here uh, our guy is is saying that he should be going higher or lower but i, I think he, to me he feels like a a minor value even at, at where you're getting him and this is another guy who if you were doing early drafts i mean he was going in the 30s sometimes even the 40s in some of these very very early drafts and obviously you know the adp started to, to skyrocket once they made the rogers trade yeah um I would ignore the touchdowns because of the uh, the terrible QB play last year. I don't think that's very predictive at all. I think it's reflective of what happened last year and not what's going to happen this year, especially under Rodgers. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that that's my take on that. Um, all right, guys. Thanks for everybody tuning in. Um, actually, I did find one more actually before that. It's all right. Someone, uh, Brooke says someone dropped Dotson for Thielen 
put a waiver claim in for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want, I love Jahan Dotson, even before the McLaurin injury, but especially with the McLaurin turf, turf toe, which may bother him in week one. Absolutely make that claim. So, yeah, I mean, you you're go. getting like a round five or six player there potentially. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, Jahan Dotson, I think much like Garrett Wilson on a, on a smaller scale here. I mean, the, the biggest feather in his cap is he looked really good as a rookie with terrible quarterback play. And, yep. you know, Sam Howell's been really impressive in the preseason. I think we still need to temper expectations there, but uh, it, it doesn't look to me like it's going to be worse than it was last year at quarterback. And you're not, you're not paying a crazy price by any means for Jahan Dotson. Like you said, I think the McLaurin thing is looking like it's going to be minor. I, I think right as of right now, I, I would expect him to play in week one, but you know, uh, any sort of turf toe related injury is something that could linger. So, you know, you, you, I think you absolutely put the waiver claim in no question about that. You, you want this mm-hmm. guy on your roster. And, you know, I think there's, there's you know, probably a week or two at some point this season, whether it's in the beginning or, uh, you know, later on that he could kind of be functioning as like the one, a receiver for Sam Howell. So yeah, yep. I mean, no, no question. You grab him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We got Josh. I mean, we got Joe and Jake, man, I'm just on a roll tonight. Uh, we got Joe and Jake tomorrow uh, on Wednesday. We're going to have the fancy football consultants uh, joining me in the morning. Make sure to tune in for all the Rotowire fantasy football po- podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. Go check out Rotowire, rotowire.com slash pod. That will get you uh, where you need to go to get uh, ch- to check out all of our content there. Uh, again, rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, and big thanks to our sponsors. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.